Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, I'm talking to some incredible powerhouse leaders that are going to help us to continue to not only advance our leadership skills, but in today's case, we're going to talk about how to even go a little deeper and increase our wisdom. So my guest today is Sophie McLean, and her mission is to contribute to the creation of a new culture for humankind. And she also calls this the shift from homo sapiens to homo spiritus, as David, Doc, David, uh, Dr. David Hawking so beautifully wrote. Now, she has been a lot of places in the world, born in Algeria, educated in Morocco and France. She had a professional career in the U.S. and the U.K., and uh, she's led quite an eventful life for certain. Now, listen to this. Sometimes I wonder about all the different things I've done, but when I look at her bio, I'm like, I've not done hardly anything compared to this. She's been a helicopter pilot, a teacher, a designer, a relief worker, a war refugee, a CEO, served as a United Nations representative on the Commission of the Status of Women's Hunger Project. She's been shot at, shipwrecked, and widowed, and she's lived on a farm, a boat, a penthouse, and an ashram. <laughs> so she has, uh, she's kind of done it all. Now today, she is considered a wisdom teacher, and I the, just the concept of this just makes me so happy um, because it's really about making sure we are operating from that standpoint of wisdom. And she spent decades leading transformational seminars to over 80,000 people around the world, all ethnicities, all ages, all religions, all social backgrounds, but all coming together to really ask the same kind of questions. Who am I? What am I? What is my life all about? And I think that her perspective on leadership in this is going to be incredibly valuable. So Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. Michael, thank you so much for having me and thank you for such a great intro. I, uh, I wish I could use it and just publish it. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, there's so much. And I love the fact too, that you have all these almost timestamps of different things in your life, because they're all a part of who we become. And all those elements become a part of then how we operate every day. So, you know, I just hit the highlights of your bio. Tell us a little bit more about you and your business and how you help people in such a unique way to shock their potential. Well, I, um, I've always had this, uh, impulse of leading an extraordinary life. I don't know where it comes from, frankly. I have this wish, this yearning to play full out and take risks, right? And one of the biggest risks for me is to examine who we are as a human being and mm -hmm. to elevate our consciousness constantly. So it has been my passion, my reason for being alive, and I, or since as far back as I can remember. And um, Lately, and you know, life is absolutely amazing. I was on a spiritual quest for about eight years. So just traveling the world and going to the Amazon forest and being with shaman and all that. And then 
and then and then this intuition came where I said, I need to start a business again. I need to go back into business. That was September 2019. Mm-hmm. So I moved back to New York. I was in the state for a long, long time, but then went on my eight years uh, quest. <laughs> I moved back to New York. I started a business called Access to Awareness, where I was committed to give the gift of awareness to people, meaning everybody has that gift, but to have them practice and and realize that awareness was the ultimate power. And then we had the pandemic, like six months later, but I was all set with my business. And during the pandemic, everybody, it, it is as if the universe said, okay, go to your bedroom and look at your priority in life, right? <laughs> yes, and so true. They, and there I was, just ready with my programs and my courses saying, yes, yes, yes. It's all about, um, you know, examining what is your life about? Who are you? What are you? What is your mission? What do you want to accomplish? So this is my business. And it um, um, coincides with those times where people are thirsty, hungry for it. So mm-hmm. I give courses, I train people, I have uh, group courses, I have one-on-one courses for the um, CEOs, I work with the UN, I, you know, people that want privacy and want to go faster but more in-depth, I have one-on-one, I have also a free course, so I'm giving it all away, that's my business. You know, you are so right, yeah, it was like we were all being sent to our room and think about, think about what you've done. <laughs> until you come back out again. <laughs> what a great description. But I know that, um, you know, after after we all got over the initial shock, I mean, thinking yeah. the first few months when we, you know, because yeah. for the first few months, we still thought it was going to be over in a day or a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have been so pleased how many people I have spoken to in the last year who have said, I there, here's something that I appreciated that I never did before, or this pandemic has been a blessing Mm. because, and just wonderful things. I mean, from, uh, you know, rebuilding businesses to, you know, one of the things that my husband and I, we have lunch together every single day. And prior to the pandemic, we were both flying all over the place. And I'll tell you, he, my husband went to work at his office today and I was so lonely without him. I was eating my lunch going, <laughs> where's my husband? I mean, like just pitiful, but what a, what a joy and what a blessing to find some of those simple things that make us feel more human, you know, bring us back to our humanity. Cause that can't, that can't help, but change how we operate professionally as well. Indeed. Right. If you reach this delicious place of peace and harmony in your life, then you, your, whatever you're up to in your business will be directly impacted and mm-hmm. will be a reflection of your internal states. Yeah. There would be softness and tenderness and harmony that wasn't before the pandemic. And I think many people at the beginning of the pandemic were telling me, well, I can't wait to go back to how it was. And now they mm-hmm. say, no, 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 no. I don't want to go back to how it was before. We right. need to move forward. And that is the evolution of human consciousness, right? That's a shift from Homo sapiens to Homo spiritus. Homo sapiens is using your five senses and your ego, meaning 
to deal with the material world. So you have five senses, you look to the external world to function, to accomplish things, to get energy from, to win or lose. But homo spiritus is you still use your five senses, but now you are connected to the spiritual. So you have authentic power, intuition, guidance. Mm -hmm. And that is a shift I believe we are going through. And like every single shift, it's like a birth, right? I don't think there is a birth that has ever happened without pain and right. suffering. And, um, you know, I know it's difficult. And I know a lot of people are suffering and there is a lot of fear and anxiety. And we need to dive in. The faster we dive in that shift, the the quicker the pain will disappear. If yeah. we resist and try to hold on to what we have had, then that then the suffering is intense. Yeah. And I, I so agree as well. And as you were talking, this is, I know this is a little off topic, but I was thinking about, you know, in the last year and a half also, we've had the light shone on all these incidents of racism. And, mm. and I know that there's people that first think, oh my gosh, this is all of a sudden out of control. And what I'm thinking is this is the first time we have shown the light on it bright enough mm. that people mm. who might have uh, behaved that way or felt that way, always operated in silence and only with those, you know, that made them feel comfortable to have those beliefs that are so against nature. Mm. Um, and now that we've drawn, we've shown the light on it. My theory is mm. we will continue as a world to say, no, this is not okay. We can't, mm. we're not going to harm each other. We're not going to put mm. each other in, in these situations. And my hope is that we become closer to humanity by the very fact that it's hitting the news all the time. And we're talking about it and we can't pretend it's happening to someone else. We know it's happening in our very neighborhoods and our own families. And that to me is, even though it's hard and it's painful and it's horrible, these things were all happening. We didn't see them. And now that we are, we have a shared consciousness that I'm hoping will guide us to a better humanity. I mean, because it requires yeah. strength to do that. It does. And I so agree with you. And the question that in my mind, right, Michael, and I don't have the answer is how much line, light need to be shown on how many things before we uh, shift consciousness? Yeah. Because yes, there is racism, there is climate, there is inequality, there is poverty, there is conflict, there is so much and, and everything is coming into light. So I think we need an enormous amount of, um, an enormous context to hold it in because I yeah. think we're not out of the woods yet, yeah. far from it, because uh, uh, the pandemic will become just the 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 source of something else much bigger i think so mm -hmm. it's, it's i i've you know i i'm not medium or anything but i foresee a few difficulties for sure but um mm -hmm. if you hold the context that it is all perfect that it is a shift that is happening that has been predicted for centuries mm -hmm. this shift in human consciousness and that you fall in love with reality and you are able to dance with whatever the symphony of life is, then we'll be able to weather it well. 
I like that dance. Full context. Dance with the symphony of life. I love that. <laughs> well, and you're you're right too. You know, talking even about things like climate change. I mean, look at how how much how your your question was how much light do we need to shine on these things? And I remember the day uh, last. April, last May, sometime, you know, in 2020, where all of a sudden the news was covering um, how much less pollution, you know, how you could see mm -hmm. in, you know, in China and, you know, how much you could see in the U.S. and bad, you know, areas where pollution has been, air pollution has been so bad and everybody was staying home. So, you know, you could see, you know, areas where the animals started roaming, you know, back into the streets and things. And it was, it was like, everybody goes, oh, isn't that nice? And then we totally forgot about it. <laughs> we just moved on again. And I'm like, wow, what, what happened? We did prove that, you know, if you stop doing all these things for even a short amount of time, we can have a positive benefit on the earth. But then we just like, okay, that's, that's good. Let's keep going. Yeah. yeah but here's the problem, right? There is two kinetic energy, you know, kinetic that moves from one yeah. place to the next. So there is no resisting evolution, right? Evolution, I mean, it will be absurd. It's a universal impulse. We're going to elevate ourselves, you like it or not, but there is two kinetic energy. One is love, mm -hmm. right? The space of love. I'm not talking about the feeling or the emotion, but the space of love, altruism, generosity, gratitude. The other one is suffering. Mm -hmm. Those two energy has you elevate yourself now. The problem, if we look at the history of humankind, is that mostly we elevated ourselves through suffering. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it for myself, right? It took me yeah. being raped, losing a child, and losing my husband before I woke up. Wow. Then I woke up. Then I thought, okay, okay, <laughs> I hear it. Right? So... The, the possibility of practicing awareness as a way of being mm -hmm. is, is to not go to the suffering, not wait until you reach the state of despair in this dark hole of hopelessness yeah. before you awake. Yeah. You know, and aware, awareness is simple, right? Awareness is what everybody teaches their children. When they teach their children to cross the street, you say to your child, stop look right, look left, and then make a choice if you want to cross the street or not. So, I mean, how simple can it get? Right, That's right. what awareness is. Stop, take the time to stop and look. Yes. And if you're driving in a country where you drive on the wrong side or at the other side of the road that you're used to, yeah. then hopefully you stop and try and look both all the ways <laughs> until you remember which lane to pull in. <laughs> yes, yes. You can even look backwards or forward. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Just reminded me of my husband and I driving in Ireland where we'd stop and we'd talk it out. Okay, look, look right, look left. Okay, to turn left, go into the short, you know, go here. To go right, go the far one. We'd talk it through the whole time. So then you've got somebody that's going dealing with the uh, the um, the problem, problem solving with you. Yeah, yeah, because your life was at stake, right? So you wouldn't yes. take any risk. Now we don't spend our daily life that way. Like, oh yes, my conscious life is at stake. I better bring awareness. We don't do that. We yes. take it for granted. 
That's true. Well, and you know, before we go to break here real quick, you know, as we start to talk about how this applies to leadership, I'm a firm believer that people who are leading others, um, you know, you have an opportunity as well. It's, you know, maybe not life or death as, as we're talking about like crossing the street or changing lanes, but it, it has the ability to breathe life into the people that you lead or to suck the life out of them. And, mm -hmm. you know, and our work worlds, our professional lives take up so much of our time and energy that um, when I see people that are leading from a, a point of, you know, the suffering versus, mm -hmm. you know, life giving and love, um, I want to like, just say, you know, open your eyes a little bit more, but, you know, when you're working with people, especially leaders, you know, how do you help them to come to grips with that themselves and how they're operating from a point of wisdom or a point of, of openness to, to the positivity? So the first thing I have them slow down, right? Because Michael, as you said before pre-pandemic, but we were so busy, there was so much noise. We didn't take any time to slow down. This is a fundamental uh, distinction in Buddhism. Nothing happened until you get to your still place. Um, mm. And it is so important. So the, mostly with the leaders, the first thing I have to do is teach them to slow down and have them create slowing down as a pleasurable, worthwhile, useful, and life-giving uh, distinction. And then for a leader, a leader, you need to know a leader is someone that embodies the dream and aspiration of others, right? I mean, it mm -hmm. is such a big responsibility. This is why leaders are so often lonely and have a lot on their shoulder. But it's also the other side of it is the gratitude mm -hmm. to be given the responsibility to embody and carry on the dream and aspiration of others. Therefore, you need to find out if you are consistent with what their dream and aspirations are and if they are consistent with your vision. So a leader mostly is a visionary. He's mm -hmm. a visionary that is tuned to the dream and aspiration of others and is able to listen. Mm. Listen, you know, it's one thing to hear, it's another to listen. Mm. I love that. And to listen. And that's one of my fundamental core elements that I teach every day as well. We're, Sophie, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Sophie McLean. And I obviously, I love this. I love the topic. I love what you're doing. I especially love the fact that you took eight years just to, you know, kind of find your space. I actually interviewed a gentleman. His name is Matt Javitt. I refer to him often. Uh, and I interviewed him several years ago. He and his wife, at the height of their sales careers in their 30s, decided to take what they called their mid-career retirement. And they took three years off and, you know, backpacks and just traveled the world. And, um, 
you know, I, his story was so inspiring to me because he just said, you know, when are you going to have the chance to do this in the rest of your life? Okay. You know, everybody thinks once I retire, I'm going to go do this. You never know what's going to happen. We can do it now. Yes, there's a risk, but there's a great opportunity. And <clears throat> it actually turned into a, a kind of a new career for him as well. But I just, I love the, the opportunity of stepping back, slowing down. In your case, you traveled the world. Other, you know, people with leaders just finding that, that place of quiet and reflecting to be able to find yourself. But a lot of people are still, even though they've been forced to slow down a little bit in this, you know, kind of lockdown world that we've been in for the last year and a half, I think there's still a lot of people that feel like they have to at least have the impression of go, 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 because that's still what society has built up. So, you know, any mm. thoughts on that, on helping people to make those first steps to just slow down? Well, the, the, the world of business, when I started two years ago again by myself this time, before it was 500 people, now it was by myself, mm -hmm. I experienced a kind of force field, uh, like the business world was like trying to pull me into doing things the way everybody was doing or it should be done while demanding of me that I was unique. Mm. So this, it was nearly a conundrum. It was like, oh, hang on, I can't do everything like everybody else and be unique. Th right. That is by definition not possible, right? So it is again a question of awareness. When I realized that I was pulled, you know, it was like, you need a PR firm, you need an assistant, you need somebody, a web designer, you need blah, 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 you need... <laughs> and there was something that I was going to do for sure, right? But it was coming at me always. So when you bring awareness and you realize that there is this world of agreement and that if you start into it, you will disappear into it, mm -hmm. then with awareness, you need to stand. And I'm not talking about a position. But I have a very strong stand that it is possible to create a world where people put altruism, generosity, caring, love, uh, authenticity before domination, greed, and producing results. I, I, I never doubt it. And I know for some people I sound like a teenager, but <laughs> I know it's possible. So I just, I chose, I said, okay, the only way I'm going to deal with this force field while not giving up on my business will be to stand right there in my commitment and what I want to produce. Now, then you need to give up doubts. Mm -hmm. You need to give up um, uh, uh, guilt um, and you need to uh, keep standing. And then the one thing that was, uh, I had to give up at a whole new level is attachment. Ah. So, yeah, because you see, you want to go and make a difference in the world or you want to go and produce certain results or you want to go and start a business or you want to lead people and you want results. This is how we geared, right, in our world. Right. But if you are attached to the results, then that's when the doubts and the lack of confidence and the fear arise. Mm -hmm. 
But if you're not attached, and I'm not talking about unattached, right? Unattachment is more the mystical, be a monk, uh, no material things. I'm not in that world. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't have anything against it, but I'm a luxury kind of girl and I have no problem (laughs) with it. But it took me a while, but non-attachment is very different, right? So non-attachment is, let's say you have this beautiful house on the sea, you love it, oh, how great, and then you have to sell it. If you're not attached, your level of joy and happiness will not alter. Right. Right. That you have that house or you don't have it, you're free. So it's like... uh, you're not dependent to the outside circumstances. If you have it, it's great. If you don't have it, it's fine too. Right. right? So non-attachment is essential for leadership. Yeah. Uh, because then you are free. And freedom allows for self-expression, for listening, for communication, for risk-taking. Mm-hmm. It all stems from non-attachment. I agree. And I was thinking about too, uh, just even the, one of the people on my team who's responsible for a sales function of, of what we do, she's was, uh, you know, had gone through a dry spell and was very nervous about being in the dry spell. And, you know, there's always a part in the back of my head going, okay, what's going on, you know, so I'm still working with her, but I realized much like I was earlier in my career, that you can get yourself that, that attachment of thinking you have to have that result right then becomes um, almost, a, a, it almost exudes from you. It's almost like a, you know, an odor of desperation, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I had to remind her and remind myself too, the, the outcome is to end up with really happy clients. That's the goal, happy clients that we're making a difference with. If right now you feel like your worth is dependent on whether or not we close X number per day, even though we want to, those are goals that we set, you know, there's reasons for them, then we're never going to, we're never going to operate at the level we need to, because the fear will always drive us instead of what the end goal is, which is have really happy clients. And if we're keeping that in mind, eventually it will come. doesn't mean we can't do things to get better to make it happen. But it's really, I, I think about, you know, when I was um, laid off as a teacher right after college and I taught one year and then they had all these layoffs um, because there weren't enough students. So they were laying off teachers that were really, you know, incredibly tenured. So I wasn't going to get a job. And so as the summer went on, people kept saying, oh, how's it going? How's the job hunt going? And I go, oh my gosh, it's horrible. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, every day I got myself worked up, worked up and worked up until one day I realized that I had wasted the entire summer that I would have had anyway, being so upset that I finally realized yeah. I had two more weeks, at least of summer. And that I wasn't going to get a job before the school week, school year started. So I relaxed. I had three job offers within a week. Mm, yeah. Once I stopped fighting it and leading, yep. leading that negative That's energy right. out there. The universal rule, you always reap what you sow. And yeah. attachment is such a beautiful word. When you're attached, you can't move, right? Yes. That is being attached. You literally tie yourself somewhere and you cannot move. While yes. the full range of being is available to you, you've attached yourself to a result, to, I don't know, whatever it is that we get attached to, right? So yeah. that's why non-attachment is so essential. I love it. I love it. Sophie, there's just so much, uh, there's so much wisdom in you, <laughs> which is amazing. That, that, that's what you're all about. 
<laughs> but I love I love your approach, and I think it's really important information for you know the leaders. Whether somebody's listening is in a leadership position right now, or they're they're leading themselves in their own company, is the sense of you know giving ourselves a break and and leaning into our humanity and leaning into our spirit, because there's not only um, success that can come out of that, but an awful lot of peace. Indeed, indeed, mm, I love very it. much so. Yeah. So I know we're going to have all your contact information on the show notes, but in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, Sophie is the woman I need to get myself to the next level. <laughs> What's the best way for people to find you? I think my website, there is all my courses on it. So it's Sophie McLean, my name.com. Excellent. And before we go, yeah. I'm sure you have mm -hmm. some last words mm -hmm. of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers. I'll, I'll give them what I learned. Uh, about time, right? So I'm very uh, connected to my soul and aligned with uh, my soul intention. And I am, you know, practicing homo spiritus. And, and then I realized that, yes, it's all very well to be located in the spiritual, knowing that I am from the spiritual, but I'm expressed on the material world. But there is something to take into account in the material world. It's time. I don't think there is time in the spiritual world, but there is on the material world, right? Yes. So the thing I want to give to all the leaders, especially the one maybe that are starting on their own or are dealing with a pandemic or some breakdown, is that don't forget that time is not a spiritual concept, but a material concept, and you need to be responsible for it to express your mission, to express your soul, to be soul expressed, you still need to be responsible for time. So patience is another great, great <laughs> distinction to practice. <laughs> That's why I have yoga yeah. dog who's always uh, with me in the back because whenever I feel that pressure, I go, yoga dog reminds me just to breathe and understand yeah. that this moment will pass. <laughs> That's right. Everything passes and pre being present in the moment will give you the patience. If you are impatient, it's because you are in the future or the past. So in the illusion. So present and then you require patience. Excellent. Sophie, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for all your guidance today and your wisdom. It has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest. Michael, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.